Welcome to Pull the Shoot, our weekly podcast where we talk to business owners, C-level executives, and experts from around the world. Our goal, to help as many businesses as possible grow to the next level. It's our hope that by interviewing these business leaders and hearing how they built their culture and their company, that you might gain insight on ways to help you be a better leader and provide a better culture for your people. Our mission is to change the top-down mentality of leadership and help others to create and implement a transformational leadership style that is uplifting, supportive, and appreciative towards your people. We believe if you grow your people, you'll grow your company. I'm your host, Jeff Cecil. The pandemic has created a whole new set of issues for small to medium-sized businesses. The biggest one I hear from my listeners, how do I manage remote people? And what are the rules for, from an HR standpoint? You're not big enough to hire someone to manage all your HR needs, but you need support, advice, and a plan. So what do you do? Outsourcing your HR needs could be the answer. I thought it'd be helpful and educational to learn more about these services. So my guest today is Norma Shirk. She's the president of Corporate Compliance Risk Advisors here in Nashville. CCRA provides small to medium-sized businesses with the help they need to create their human resources functions and HR departments, including in creating revising HR policies and procedures, investigating employee dishonesty claims, implementing internal controls to reduce business losses, creating disaster recovery and business continuity plans, and assessing corporate risks that can be mitigated by insurance coverage. Norma obtained her BA from Middle State, excuse me, from Middle Tennessee State University and received her law degree from the University of Tennessee. She also received the Distinguished Service Award for Service as Chair of the Corporate Council Section for the Tennessee Bar Association. Norma, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So when we think of human resources, we think of things like recruitment and employee screening, company benefits and compensation, performance evaluations, employee relations, enforcement of disciplinary actions, employee records, and continued ed- education. I have to say, I'm just thinking about how it gives me anxiety. It's a full-time <laughs> job, which most business owners don't have or take time to deal with. So my first question to you is, when should an SMB start thinking about their HR needs? That's a great question. I have to say, I have yet to meet a client who started their business thinking, gee, I have to worry about HR. You know, it's not their thing. But one of the things to think about is it really helps to think about employees and HR when you're ready to hire your first employee. And the reason for that is you want to be kind of intentional. If you just bring in your friends and family, that's okay, but it can get chaotic because you haven't thought through how you're going to set boundaries on who does what. So when we talk about that, so right from the very beginning, they should be thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Is there a limit as to like, you know, first employee, maybe the fifth is something's changed. Is it, it, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, um, is the level of of need for one versus five versus 10, does that continue to to grow? uh, Or do you start thinking about all that stuff at the very beginning? Uh, First, you need to think about why am I hiring somebody? What is it I want them to do at the company? So that's kind of like an informal job description. But when you hit about five employees, you need to be aware that there are laws, starting with worker comp, 
uh, at five employees, you are liable to have worker comp insurance. For me, the and, and I should say that the as the numbers of employees increase, more laws, employment laws start to apply based on that number. For me, the magical number is 10. I think of it as the crowd control point. At 10 employees, you can't just make it up anymore. You need to have something in writing so people know what's expected of them. Everything from um, the business hours of the company through what kind of benefits, if any, you can offer to 10 employees. But it's also laying the groundwork for everybody to understand this is what our company views as our mission, why we exist as a company. And it's an opportunity to say, here's how you fit into that mission that we want to accomplish. So that's interesting. So I didn't. I don't think I realized that when you hit five employees, that you, you got to really start con- having concerns from a legal standpoint uh, of things that you're doing from an HR standpoint. Yeah, technically, when you have even one employee, um, a federal law called um, the acronym is USERA is um, is applicable if you have someone, if that employee was in the military. So all that the USERA law does is say, and Tennessee now has a variation on it. Um, It says that if you have an employee that goes on active duty with the military, like National Guard or the reserves, they get activated. When they come back, they need to be put into the same position they were in when they left. It's as if they never left. So that's you, Sarah. it doesn't affect a lot of small companies because a lot of them do not have people that are in the reserves or the National Guard. So the serious number is number five when worker comp kicks in. In Tennessee, at eight employees, the Tennessee law on disability, which kind of mirrors parts of the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, starts applying. 15 is when most of the EEO laws, that's the things we all know about related to race, ethnicity, national origin, um, religion. Uh, At 20, um, um, sorry, at 20, it's uh, the age discrimination also kicks in. So by the time you hit 15 employees, your doggone well better have something in writing so that you can show the EEOC, yes, we know what our liability, excuse me, not liabilities, yes, we know what our requirements are okay. under the law, and we are doing our best to comply with them. You know, I was going to say technically those EEO laws kick in at 15 employees, but everybody expects every employer down to one or two employees to comply with that willingly. And I mean, if you're a small business, do you really want to say to somebody, I don't want to hire you because you're fill in the blank protected status. You know, that's kind of silly. And so does does the same laws apply for part-time or is this all just full-time? Uh, for most of them, it's going to be if they're a W two part time, full time. The law applies. Okay. That yeah. Matter. Okay, I was curious. Yeah, that. uh, that's good. So, what is the biggest need um, that you've seen right now from this from the SMBs? And I say SMBs being small to medium sized businesses. What are their biggest needs um, that they need to tackle at first? 
you know, it's a mushy one. And that's why a lot of people don't like HR because it's sort of mushy. It doesn't do well with metrics. It's corporate culture. Everybody talks about it. We recognize the bad ones when we see them. Um, but that's what really matters. Uh, a toxic work environment, if the boss tends to be a yeller, uh, someone who can't explain him or herself clearly, employees are like, you know, what is this guy wanting me to do? I have no idea. So I'll do nothing. Then he won't yell at me or she won't yell at me. And so fixing that toxic work environment um, is the fastest way that you can fix your HR issues. You're not going to have to worry as you get bigger about union issues, EEO investigations, all of that. If you treat your people with respect and, and dignity, I mean, they are the most important asset in the business. Don't just say that, actually mean it. Yeah, it's funny. You're talking right to what Pull the Shoot is all about, really, right? So, you know, my mission statement for Pull the Shoot is to grow your people, grow your company. Um, and I, I throw out the stat a lot. Um, Forbes mm-hmm. posted it, but it was that 79% of people leave their jobs because they feel unappreciated. Only 12% leave because they want more money. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, if you In can the, help people to feel good about their job, they're going to stay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Herb Kelleher, who was one of the founders of Southwest Airlines, used to say, happy employees mean happy customers, which means happy shareholders. And right. I lived in Dallas at a time when um, Southwest was run by Herb Kelleher and everybody down to the lowest grease monkey called him Herb. It never was Mr. And across town was Bob Crandall with American Airlines. And it was like a case study in HR management and labor management. Everybody who could left American and went to work at Southwest. And it was a much more relaxed atmosphere. Uh, there's a lot of digging into the layers to see how they got there. But Herb Kelleher's um, comment really sums it up. It's about dignity and respect Absolutely. and feeling yeah, appreciated. Uh, Richard Branson, I have a quote that he, he always said was, train your people well enough so they can leave. Treat them well enough so they don't want to. I, just, I agree totally. Yes, yes. I absolutely love that quote. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to use that several times, but I just think it's, it's really a, a great, great quote. Um, so let's talk about this for a second. So um, how do you help, from a services standpoint, how do you help companies uh, get on the right side of that stat I threw out earlier, which is 79% of the people want to leave for being unappreciated? How, how do you help them to get on that? Well, one of the things to do is to start by looking at the documents that they've got, with uh, starting with the employee handbook. If the employee handbook reads like the Ten Commandments, you know, thou shalt not do whatever, then you're probably headed down the path toward toxic. <laughs> uh, it just goes that way. The trend these days is more toward, instead of talking about three strikes and you're out, let's talk about how we can review maybe every 90 days, every six months, your manager talks to you and sees where you're at, helps you figure out ways that you can improve. So it's more about coaching and helping people succeed. And so you you can't fix your corporate culture overnight because people have come to expect a certain set of norms. You know, you look at a company and you go, oh, 
their, you know, whatever. These days, Amazon has a dreadful reputation in their fulfillment centers. Everybody wants to work there at first because of the starting wages, but then they get in there and the first thing they do is hit Facebook and Twitter and, um, you know, Instagram and diss the company. So you want to more work more toward the end of having um, an, an employee handbook and other policies that show that you care about your employees. You're not a pushover, but you want them to know that every little bit that they contribute is important to the company and to the success of everyone. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the employee handbook for a second. So is that something that, um, and again, you provide outsourced services um, for what you do, but do you come in with kind of a standard handbook that then gets modified to fit the business or do you start from scratch every time because it could be, it's so different every time? What's the, what's the norm there? It's a kind of a hybrid of that. As far as Tennessee laws and federal laws, there's standardized language that uh, a lot of times comes from the regulators, federal regulators. And so if you use that standardized language, then your, your handbook will, in writing, comply with the legal requirements for the company. So a certain amount, you know, if you're talking about a particular law, it's going to have kind of a standardized boilerplate, if you will. But it also is then um, modified for the company. For example, a handbook for a company that has 50 employees is going to be a lot longer than one for 10 employees or even 15 employees, just because more laws kick in by the time you hit 50. Got it. Got it. So um, when you go into uh, these SMBs, you know, what's the first five things that you probably bring to them um, that they need to put in place just so that our listeners know what to look for? Oh, the first thing that is to have a conversation with um, the owners, the decision makers, you know, what exactly is your problem or as you see it? The problem may be totally different, but they have a perception of why there's a problem with their HR department. So tell me what you think so that we know what areas to focus on. The second thing I want to do is to look at whatever documentation they've got at that time, their employee handbook, any freestanding policies dealing with social media or whatever, just to see what they've got and how old it is. If your handbook is more than two years old, it probably needs some updating because federal and state levels do not stand still on new laws and new regulations and tweaks to existing ones. So that's the second thing I look at. Let's see what you've got in writing, and then let's look at where the compliance gaps are. And then the next step is, here's a game plan for fixing those compliance gaps in writing and maybe tweaking some of the processes so that everything works smoothly. Got it. Um, and so if they have they're brand, you know, they're brand new, they've hit, they're just hit five employees. Um, you know, I would assume some of this and they don't have anything, right? So you can mm-hmm. have a completely different conversation um, where you can actually help create that, those documents and understandings for the company. Correct. Is that what I'm assuming? Oh, correct. Yeah. If they have, if they've, they're brand new, they're just growing. I've worked with startups. They have nothing in writing. So the first thing we're going to do is um, a sort of HR light. You don't want a lot of bureaucracy to weigh down 
decision-making and attitudes, but something basic so that people have an idea of expectations. One thing I always recommend is the employee handbook. I know we all hate them, but here's the point. At the beginning of the handbook, there's always a section, or there should be, where the company says, this is who we are, this is what we do, here's why we're glad you joined our team. Now, here are some specifics about dress code or whatever we have that we need for our company to do well. Um, So that's really the first thing. And then the second thing is looking at how they want to apply those. Now we're back to corporate culture. How how do you approach your employees? Um, I know a lot of small companies, when they first start up, don't get on a regular performance evaluation for the employees. Um, What do you recommend? I mean, should it be every six months? Should it be once a year? What's the norm there? There really isn't a norm. We're all used to the annual review, which nobody liked. Um, A lot of smaller companies now, particularly in the tech field, are going with uh, 90-day reviews. And the idea is we want to do, um, we want to stay in constant contact so that the coaching goes on all the time. And so that we can make sure that you're on track with what we need. And if you aren't, what can we do to help you get on track? Or if it's not going to work out, then we need to figure out how we can all part ways nicely. Um, So there's the 90 day, six uh, month, 120 days, which is the six month and so on. Uh, The more, the larger the company, the more likely they are to stick with Um, the annual review just because it's a huge undertaking for smaller startups encourage even if you have no written um, format you know encourage your managers uh, to have regular chats with their subordinates do you understand uh, how you fit on this team and what it is we want you to do and if you have questions for goodness sakes ask them right um has has the rules changed because as I started the uh, podcast, I said, you know, things are, are tough because everyone's working remote. Um, so have some of the rules changed because of all the remote working caused by the pandemic? Um, not really. What has changed is some emphasis. So employers had to get used to the notion that those employees who could were working remotely. And for the most part, Uh, Unless you're um, completely an extrovert, you're like, oh, yeah, let me keep working from home. Um, Extroverts don't do well working alone. So employers have have had to look at how they can be better communicators with their staff. You know, here's what I expect. It's not like you're going to sit in a face to face meeting and see somebody scrunching up their face because they have no idea what you're talking about. So that's one piece of it. Um, the laws haven't changed. They've just had to kind of adapt um, how they communicate what they want. The flip side of that is for a lot of large employers is that they are now using uh, software that lets them track when employees are logged into company systems and how long and so on. I tend to frown on that um, because I think that if you want to explain to your employees silently, we have no faith in you and your ability to do your job. That's the fastest way to do it. Yeah, I uh, agree. Uh, it's, I'm all about, look, we're all adults. You know, yes. here's your job, get it done. If you can't get it done, we're going to have a conversation. If you still can't get it done, we're going to part ways. 
See, I agree totally. I mean, if somebody's not meeting expectations, have you explained to them what it is you want them to do? Have you helped them figure out how to stay on track? And at some point, if they can't, then there's a parting of the ways. No hard feelings, but this isn't the right fit for you and for us. But to spy on people, which is what it amounts to, I just think it's self-defeating. So a lot of employees, I think, are so concerned that if they don't stay on task without the spyware, you know, you gave me things to do and deadlines to do. I'm going to meet those deadlines. I'm going to meet the the um, expectations of my job. If I don't do that, you're going to tell me you can't take care of yourself without being in an office setting. So now you have to come back to the office. It's a little bit like the reverse of detention. You remember in school, you know, you didn't get to go to the playground. You had to sit in detention. Now it's, you don't get to work from home. You have to come to the office for someone to can keep an eye on you and make sure you meet your deadlines. Yeah. It's funny. When I started my first corporate job, um, I worked for Harris bank back in uh, the early 1980s. Um, Yes. I just dated myself. Um, And we had to sign a timesheet every time we came in. And what drove me crazy oh, yeah. was I started at 745 every day and I left at 415 every afternoon. If I came in at 746, it was like you were in detention. They circled it in red because you were a minute late to your desk. But I didn't get the flip side of when I stayed for five or 10 minutes. Oh, later. yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. that didn't matter. Right. Yeah. That you were late. Um, when, yeah. It drives me crazy. I, I think this whole pandemic and being able to work remotely has given people this whole new lease on um, we all work better during different hours. And so just let us yeah. work the hours yeah. that we work really good at. Um, yeah. You know, don't make me get up at six o'clock in the morning if I'm not the morning person. Of course, I am. So I'd much rather work at 630 in the morning and be done by 230 mm-hmm. um, where I have a buddy that would, you know, he wouldn't come in till noon every day when we had one of our companies and he'd stay till, you know, yeah. o'clock at night. You know, and that was it. That was his sweet spot. But, you know, that's what you yeah. have to do. I mean, I have a social media team and they're all creative sorts. And they're in different time zones, most of them, from me. So my 2 a.m., one guy is knocking them dead. But, you know, one of the others doesn't really get going until noon, whatever. I'm fine with that. Here's what I want. Here's the deadline. They meet it. They always do a great job. Yeah, that. see, that's where I think for employers who are concerned that their employees will, you know, sit around eating bonbons and watching right, TV right. instead of doing their jobs, working from home. The thing they need to keep in mind is that employees have a lot of options now because there's more job openings than there are willing workers, at least at the moment. And so if I'm not happy with the way things are at your company, I'm betting I can go up the road and find someone that will at least match probably do better than what you're paying me and give me that autonomy that I want. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hey, so what advice would you give uh, small to medium sized businesses when it comes to their company's HR? Like, you know, if, if someone said, what, what do I need to worry about right away? We talked a little bit about that, but just what advice would you give them in general? I would think the first thing is to think about what I've done myself is think about what was the worst place I ever worked 
And I work one or two places, which will remain nameless, that I swear should not have been allowed to have employees because (laughs) the practices were so dreadful. So think about the worst place you ever worked and why you didn't like it. And then think, how can I make the atmosphere in my company and, and my policies work for everybody and not make everyone angry and, and disenchanted. And so it's, it's kind of a philosophical look at it. You know, I've, I've had some um, new managers or excuse me, new owners that look at the worst that they've ever been. And they, they have these sort of pie in the sky about wanting to be fair to everybody. And that's good, but there's no structure there. And so they hire their best friend who thinks they're still college roommates and it does not work without some structure. And you lose a friend and you think you're a lousy business owner and you really aren't. You just didn't put enough structure in there. So I would think about the philosophical side of it first and then think about what is the least amount of paperwork I can create to get that point across. Cool. Love it. Love it. Well, Norma, thanks for being on the show today. We're kind of winding things down here. Um, you know, I always find it interesting to learn um, new areas that I am not familiar with. So thanks for educating us on HR today, uh, especially if you're a small to medium-sized business. Um, take to heart some of the things that we talked about today. Uh, just keep it in mind. Um, and I love your advice. You know, just um, figure out the worst place you ever worked and decide you don't want to be there and, and, and create your environment that uh, that doesn't replicate that. And um Hopefully you're, you're successful uh, by doing that. And usually nine times out of 10, you are. So um, if people have any questions, how can they contact you? They can reach me at norma.shirk at compliancerisqadvisor.com. Okay. My uh, website is um, compliancerisqadvisor.com. Wonderful. And I'll put that in the notes uh, following the podcast. But we appreciate your time today, Norma. Uh, to all our listeners, we hope this topic was helpful. If you have any questions, you can always uh, contact me at jeff at polishoot.net. Thanks for listening. In the meantime, stay safe and be healthy. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.